hey, this is Megan uh, recording this after the fact. We discussed the book Silk by Caitlin Kiernan in this episode. I just wanted to throw up a bit of a warning for this episode. The book we read deals with some heavy themes of suicide and abuse and and one instance of transphobia gets discussed in here. So if these are not things that you'd prefer to listen to, I, I completely understand and would suggest skipping this episode. This is also the, probably the first episode with some actual foul language, uh, which is not something I was trying to skip, but, you know, it's been two episodes, just a fair warning. I, I do recommend the book Silk. If you have not read it, it is phenomenal, but it does deal with some darker aspects of human personality and should have given a little bit more of a warning in last episode, so I apologize for that. And I don't want any listener or future guests to feel that they need to taper their suggestions or uh, that I'm trying to censor anything. I just wanted to give a heads up that this is a little bit more of a a quote-unquote adult book than the last two that we've done. And if you want to skip this episode, we do come back on May 14th to discuss Bone Shaker by Sherry Priest. We will look for you then. Uh, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, a bi-weekly book club podcast where I bring on two guests to read a book suggested by one of the guests. This week I am joined by James DeBrucker and Marilag Angway. How are you guys both doing? Good. Very good. well, thank you. Yeah. Good. Um, this week we started with the book suggested by James. We read Silk by Caitlin Kiernan. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can start there. Why did you suggest this book? Because the author tweeted angrily at me once. Uh, <laughs> someone had tweeted asking for uh suggestions of what to read and i tweeted at them saying hey it's your first novel so it's kind of weird but i really like silk by caitlin kiernan um i didn't at caitlin kiernan in that at all i didn't mention her but her google alert must have gone off because she tweets at me she takes the time to respond to me saying i would prefer not to be judged by my first book so it's like well can i judge you for being super spiky about me selling your goddamn book how about that (laughs) so you suggested this out of anger no i suggested it because it was a story that i could tell i mean i really like the book um which we'll get into shortly um but i think it's a good book it's not plot heavy but it is (laughs) atmospheric in a way that I really enjoy and it's very well written um I mean it's a strong out of the gate start um for for I mean for a first novel I think but you both are laughing so apparently you disagree so <laughs> no we're just laughing it, okay. it, it does not necessarily mean okay. anything one way or the other all well, right, I, think, all right. Um, I hit I think he hit the parts where I did write notes on where it was not plot heavy at all there really wasn't much that I saw when I read it so um, when you picked it I just laughed because usually I don't go for this kind of weird fiction mm. <laughs> well actually that was going to be my next question yeah. James is this like a good representation of what you normally read or... I mean I'm, I'm pretty fucked up so in that sense <laughs> yeah but I mean I, it's it's all over the place I, I read a lot of weird fiction I am um, I, I collect a series of horror paperbacks published by Abyss, which was an imprint in the late 80s, early 90s. And it is all this sort of vampire the masquerade goth album vibe, which was significant to my development uh, on the edges. I was never strictly a goth, but I am not unfamiliar with the scene. And I dig that vibe. So... Oh, this is going to be so much fun to poke fun at you then. All right, all right, fine. Mary, what do you typically read? I typically read, well, I read a lot. So I did not, you know, um, 
object to weird fiction, that's usually not something I do read on a regular basis. Most of my fiction has plot and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I read mostly fantasy and sci-fi. So uh, horror is something I would just pick up occasionally. Definitely something from that reads like the 80s in the gothic subculture is just something I don't no normally read. I do have a book or two of that, but that's something for later. I will have to recommend you, James. Okay, cool. You know, here's a question. Like, you, I'm, I'm older than both of you, right? I'm, I'm 35, which I know I'm older than Megan, but Mary, I'm older than you as well, correct? Like, you're, yeah. you're more Megan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there is, in my experience, a, a not insignificant difference between being a teenager in the early to mid 90s and mm -hmm. being a teenager in the late 90s, just in terms of the subcultures and stuff that you were exposed to. Because even by like the time I was graduating high school, this sort of clove cigarette goth thing was on its way out so that yeah, may be part sure. of why uh, yeah, like be because i can remember this scene it may be why i'm so fond of the novel oh no i remember the scene too it's just like you said it was going out by the time i grew up mostly yep yep uh uh, and I don't want you to get defensive. We're yeah. we're oh no 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 no, no, no. teasing I, when I say we're gonna poke fun at you, but it, it's not. No, I, I that's fine. That's, yeah. I, I, it's, no no no, it's 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 all in the game now. Yeah. I um, mean, for the record, I did like the novel as uh as far as tone was, and mm -hmm. you know the writing style was really good. I pretty much chortled half the time only because her descriptions of things um made so much sense, mm -hmm. even though they were so out of the box. Yep. So I did admire that bit of the book itself. Well, okay, before we get too far into this, oh, okay. let's start with a little bit of a discussion about the actual author, because mm -hmm. I found her to be quite fascinating. Oh, yeah. And then we'll get into the book and then get debate back and forth on all of our opinions. Mm -hmm. But I did a little bit of research into her. Yep, yep. Uh, She's a I... horror fiction paleontologist, ge <laughs> geologist, archaeologist. Um, well, so you do say horror but everything i was reading is that she, she absolutely even hates like, yeah. being called that i know because her books atwood are not doesn't write and margaret atwood doesn't write science fiction i know blah 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 but it's it's weird <laughs> fiction whatever um sure but but i get where she's coming from saying that horror is an aspect but she doesn't necessarily want to be classified by that because it does have the stigmatism that this book is not necessarily falling into although i think we all agree it's falls somewhere between horror and what magical realism uh, yeah i mean peter straub calls her a horror writer she's won a butt ton of horror awards she walks and <laughs> quacks like a duck it's 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 fine there's there needn't be a stigma associated with a genre tag like call it weird fiction if you want i mean it's it's clearly fiction that is weird and horrific Sure. <laughs> and so, I mean, I don't know. The author is dead. The author is not dead. No, I mean that in the the postmodern sense. The, oh. the 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 creator. Okay. The creator Just to clarify. Still, yes, she is still alive and well and living in Providence, Rhode Island. But yes. I mean, it, it's it, it, the creator creates a work and puts that work out into the world. And beyond that, they do not necessarily have a right to be the sole interpreter of the work. It's it is it is it is the audience's job to a degree to to interpret the work and respond to it and so hence the I agree and I, and I think Mary has some great funny stories about that mm -hmm. uh, that we can get into in a minute um, but I do want to address that that she is she was an Irish born author uh, I haven't have you actually met her no into any science marketing okay. no no she from what I can gather lived a good portion of her life adolescence in Alabama which is yep. where this book takes place yep yep and is also an you know, escapee from the South. So yep. we did touch on that she is a paleontologist and you may know her name from that side because I think she still writes papers from that yep. for that. Um, and then what was also really fascinating is that she still has a live journal, guys. That she's had one for 13 years that wow. she still updates. My nice. live journal so. still exists too, but <laughs> don't ever write oh. in it anymore. <laughs> Mine still exists. I just don't update it. And I don't I look at it. And I just kind of cringe every time I think about it. Yeah. But I, I deleted and scrambled mine for much that reason. It is tied to a time in my life that is well and truly over. And I need not travel down that memory lane completely understand so before we get into more thoughts on this book mm -hmm. 
I uh, typically go through and put together a summary. But <laughs> Both I, uh, sentences of the summary for this novel, I'm sure, uh, are... Well, I mean, I went into this book not knowing what it was about, and when I read the uh, summary that they had on Goodreads, I was just like, oh, that doesn't really tell me much, but I'll read it yep. anyway. So. It, it, it is a novel about the horror of a codependent relationship with a toxic individual. Well, so there is a quote from her that I actually really loved mm-hmm. uh, when it come, when I, I stumbled over when I was trying to find figure out a way to summarize the plot, and that is... Anyone can come up with a good story. Story bores me, which is why critics complain that it's the weakest aspect of my work, because that's essentially purposeful. I have no real interest in plot, atmosphere, mood, language, character, theme, etc. That's the stuff that fascinates me. Ulysses should have freed writers from plot. And I, when I read that, completely thought it summarized this book entirely, because the first hundred pages of this book is literally introducing the characters of the story and, and getting to know them and understand them while still texting you guys going, but seriously, something's going to happen, right? Like this isn't just a character analysis. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually wrote down when the first instance of conflict took place. It was <laughs> on what page, page would that be? 53 in the uh, paperback edition that I had where, um, yeah, I don't even remember what it was, but yeah, on page 53, character A wants to do something, character B doesn't want the person to do that thing. And it was the first, like, sort of, okay, that is that is action. Rather then, than backstory and emotion and description. Yeah, it's, it, like, basically so. th- three things happen in this book. There is a fight, and they go back to Spider's house and try and get the Dreamcatcher, and do we care about spoilers? Nope, go ahead. And, do what you need to do. And Spider yeah. kills herself. And like that's that. Yeah. Those are those are the three things that happen. Those were near the end of the book, though. Not so much. Well, most of them. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, and and a whole bunch of people die. Yeah. But that's that's. I mean, it's a it's, it's a it's a slasher in that sense. Yeah. You know. Well, the best kind of quick summary I could find for this book, um, because I could not. It would have taken me another week to sit down and be like, okay, put together an actual summary of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one, I think, was taken from Publishers Weekly. And just to kind of give a quick paraphrase, it's uh, at the center of this modern gothic horror story is Spider Baxter, a deeply troubled young woman haunted by terrifying memories of childhood and her insane, abusive father. But his transgressions were so he- uh, heinous that the demons aren't just in her head anymore. They've taken a life of their own and are all over Spider's house, crawling out of the basement into everything and everyone she cares about. Cotton Spider's Web of Bad Karma are a motley crew of disenfranchised Gen Xers all living on the edge and trying to heal from various psychotic wounds of their own. And I thought that that was kind of the best. Like, I, I also looked at Goodreads and went, okay, this says nothing. <laughs> so um, I thought that was kind of a good, quick elevator pitch for this book. Mm-hmm. I agree. There's no real central protagonist it kind of starts with daria as the viewpoint character and then eventually shifts to nikki as the viewpoint character um i think spider counts as the antagonist just in terms of how she functions in the novel itself but it's 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 weird like i i I, I don't know because she's she's the vector for all these deaths and i think that it's notable that the only character of the first group that gets out alive is walter who just fucks off and bails and, <laughs> yeah. and says, and, and explicitly yeah. says, I can't help you. And that's what gets Spider to leave him alone. Right. Um, no, I, I, I think I agree. There's not really a bad guy per se, just, or at least not as a character in the story. It's kind of more of a presence, yep. but it does manifest in the form of Spider. Right. It's tricky to express because Spider is clearly a traumatized individual. However, her explicit refusal to deal with that trauma is what causes the bad things to start happening because it's it's you get the impression I, I, well it, it, it's not even an impression she she is explicitly dragging the other people down with her. And I think that's a 
really neat metaphor for a lot of social environments that take place in <laughs> marginalized groups of people. Um, because when you are all outcasts and you are all outcasts together, uh, it's hard to further create in-group and out-groups, even if one person is clearly a bad influence on everybody else. And you see that with um, Daria's continuing enabling of Keith's heroin addiction. Mm -hmm. um, you see that with everyone bagging on Walter and just using him because he knows how to get drugs. And, and, and again, you see that with, with Spider, who, who no one is willing to move out of her sphere of influence except for again walter you know you're, it's there there's actually a, the scene and when they're watching stiff kitten play yep and nikki sees spider for the first time and you know who's that and and it's almost like a queen bee kind of vibe it's very much a queen bee vibe um to the point where one of the one side character that i don't think ever gets mentioned again you know says oh i heard this band sucks and robin who is Spider's girlfriend leans over to say probably something along the lines of like Spider really likes this band and his face completely changes and it's it, you're right her influence is massive and and even you know Stiff Kitten who kind of represents a different soul culture you know gets the, gets drawn into it right so and it's and it's Keith who really who really jumpstarts that because he's the one who steps in uh, in the the parking lot fight against the the UAB jocks. Yeah, that uh, actually brought up something I was thinking the entire time is the portrayal of men, particularly straight men, in yep. this novel is quite poor the entire time. Oh yeah, I mean that's 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 accurate. You know, it's it's <laughs> none you know, of them come off looking well. If they're not these these jocks trying to beat up on every lesbian that passes by, yep. they're heroin addicts or bumbling idiots that can't express how they feel yep or you know or just trying to impress the entire time it's something kind of bittersweet to realize um i think i realized it's the first introduction of spider or robin mm -hmm. maybe um, and then kind of went back and looked and, and the only other guy kind of mentioned before then that wasn't straight is danny who is sits as a presence over nikki kind of like Spider has her own damage. This is Nikki's damage. Is Danny, now, one so. question about that is so, so Nikki, if I am re reading this correctly, Nikki bails on Danny because Danny wants to transition, like wants to wants to begin the process of transitioning, and that freaks Nikki out, and Nikki bails. I don't know if I read it as bailing, and this may be just my own defense mechanism, but I don't know if I read it as bailing as just needing a minute to think about it and considering it and not handling it the right way. And I say this as someone who has had a friend transition that I probably did not handle correctly and mm -hmm. how I, it, it, there were, you know, other circumstances and things and, and the transitioning wasn't a problem for me, but everything else going on kind of did. And, mm -hmm. and reading this, I had to stop for a minute and be like the things that could have happened. Yep. And thankfully didn't. Um, were very apparent. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't... It just weird. read as a weirdly transphobic note to me. It did. Uh, so going back to Danny, I don't... Did Nikki bail? She freaks out and she leaves and then he kills himself. Sure. Yes. Okay. I agree. That would be considered bailing. I'm not yeah. going to argue that. <laughs> but she does call. It's not... Right. Her sister doesn't call to... Or her sister doesn't call to tell Nikki that that you know what happened it's it's nikki calling does it ever really specific say is it to to make amends or yeah i mean she to she, officially I, say you know i cannot handle this or right yeah she explicitly she clearly regrets her actions but but I does mean, she did she regret it prior to the suicide i'm not sure i can't i can't recall that much of of the novel um that a lot of a lot of her yeah no a lot of her guilt and regret came after yeah she was still dealing with um all of the, the 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 news especially the news so i i don't think there was much of her feeling too sorry when she left but when she found the news that he had committed suicide that's when i think most of it hit her all at once 
from what I read anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that, I mean, that, that all informs her interactions with Spider mm-hmm. because uh, then... she, she really, she really wants to save Spider. And again, that's why I said up, up top, it's the, it's a horror. It's the story about the horror of a codependent relationship with a toxic person because Nikki sticks around because she wants to try and save Spider and she sticks around despite what is happening around her. Agreed. I've got, I, I managed to squeeze out two pages of notes on this damn thing, which surprises even me. Um, <laughs> well, the next note I had was on the, the actual horror aspect of this novel mm-hmm. is, is that there is something chasing the characters yep. from the edges of the fray yep. the entire time. Yep. And it is never explicitly said, is it madness or is it supernatural? Because each character that sees it, you know, has a reason to be considered mad rather than seeing something supernatural. What do you guys think? I think it's, I, I think the way some of the bodies are discovered, it's, it's ex- explicitly supernatural rather than just implicitly supernatural. So after, after the fight or after, after the, the fight, when uh, spider's friends drive off to go to spider's house to check in on the dream catcher, mm-hmm. like that's when everything starts going wrong. And the dream catcher, was created after uh, the characters go down into the basement and uh, wolf down shrooms and so have a peyote. Pardon me. Oh, it's peyote. You're right. You're right. You're right. Peyote. Yep. Yep. Peyote. And so after after that goes poorly, um, that's you know they create the dream catcher. When the dream catcher is broken, they start dying. Um, so I think that it. I think that in the flashbacks, and this is this is one of the uh, this is a flavor of horror that I really like is uh, in Spider's flashbacks where her her father, who is clearly crazy, um, is saying that he can see angels. He's also right because there is a malignant supernatural presence in Spider's basement. And like, it's, I mean, angels, whatever, but there is clearly something there. And her crazy father was not wrong about that. Frailty is another movie, spoilers for Frailty, that uh, hits the same notes. No, I actually just finished in a, a young adult series called Embassy Row, where the theme throughout is, is the girl crazy, or it's not a supernatural story. It's, it's about a girl whose mother died, who everybody keeps telling her died in a fire. It was an accident, mm-hmm. and she swears she saw a man with a scar murder her mom. Yep. And up until the last page of the first book, well, okay, maybe not the last page, up until the climax of the book, you cannot really tell if she is crazy or or if it actually happened this way. And and the big reveal is a great aspect of looking at how you handle trauma mm-hmm. in, in people that have gone through something, you know, PTSD and things like that. And then there's two more books that kind of, you know, go off on an interesting tangent of a tie you know story but it's what i love about it is that it's this girl who doesn't who who had this kind of psychotic break isn't sure what's real and doesn't like snap back just like that she mm-hmm. still suffers and questions things constantly of am i crazy or am i not right and eventually goes i am crazy but i'm not insane yep. so Mad, but not ill. Exactly. Um, I was able to find a passage, which I hope is long enough to stay within um, fair use principles, uh, that really kind of sums up the the key interaction of the book, um, if I can declaim for a moment or two. Go right ahead. Because she was spider, they came to her, to sit near her and breathe in the air she breathed out. They brought her the meager precious offerings of their company, their fragile faces painted like gentle death to hide the real scars and pain. She wasn't sure what she had to offer them, but accepted that it was something that they needed, something that soothed or at least distracted, and they never seemed to take anything away. It's like, that's it. That's the, that's the whole, that is the key interaction of the novel and it is iterated over and over through varying perspectives um and i think that the characters that you spend the most time with are are at least varied enough in the flavor of that interaction that it did not bore me agreed uh we kind of jumped ahead a little bit the you know the the whole point of this podcast was kind of to start making people 
force well, a force me to read things outside of my comfort zone and be you know talk about what you thought a book would be about before you read it read it and then you know if you actually liked it so to jump back a little bit uh mary what was your thoughts about this book prior to reading it you know looking at the cover and or a quick look at goodreads what mm-hmm. did you think this book was going to be about well i uh, I looked at the cover at Goodreads, it really didn't tell me much besides the title, so I was thinking, you know, um, okay, maybe something to do with spiders or something to do with the East. Or no, I really had no expectation going into the book about what it was about. That's when I read the Goodreads summary. That really didn't tell me anything, but <laughs> I figured, okay, maybe it's kind of like Lovecraft weird fiction. So I started yeah. reading it, and it kind of is like Lovecraft weird fiction. It's interesting because when I did read the author summer, uh, the authors, uh, a little bit of the author, she did kind of remind me of how Anne Rice transitioned from her writing, from her first books going into her later ones. She's changed her tone, and I think that's what also happened with Kiernan. Um, this was her f- her first book. She did not really. Um, I guess she did not really embrace the fact that she was writing horror, whatever, it's weird fiction for her. And what I found interesting was that when I did look her up to see what other works she had, there was something about the red tree, which was interesting. I might actually pick that up. And she does have an urban fantasy series, which I might also pick it up. It's under <laughs> a different uh, moniker, but um, they like doing that. Uh, to separate themselves from their actual writing versus the writing that they do on the side anyway. So, yeah, I didn't really have anything coming into this book, but when I read it, I did find some of it, you know, very well written. Like, I took pictures of some of the passages. I know there was one passage that I really liked, and it said it described the atmosphere so well. You could imagine it, and uh, I can I read, like, the small yeah. sentence that I found. Okay, Go so, ahead. and it was just talking about you know uh, what I, th- I believe this was Daria, who uh, was looking out into the day and she's reflecting and she, it's uh, uh, the passage reads this time of day in this light, latest afternoon and the sun sliding like butterscotch from the pale November sky. She could almost make an uneasy peace with the city. I mean, this is you know the calm before the storm, I think, and mm-hmm. I thought it was very well written, and there's a whole uh, lot more descriptions kind of in the same manner. It was very lyrical, it was very descriptive, and vivid, so that was one of my my taking points from the story itself. I liked seeing all that description. I liked seeing it written in a lyrical form. I've seen some fantasy books that go around the same way and uh they also don't follow the form of plot and you know whether it's character driven or plot driven they focus more on the lyrical sense the tone the atmosphere um and this was kind of in the same manner so i did not have too much trouble going into this book and reading it for the descriptions alone and I mean, the characters were very interesting too. Their backstories, the introduction part portions, were they they really told the background to the fact that you could kind of understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Then things just get weirder later on. <laughs> That's when I sent Meg several texts that say, yeah. "What is happening?" Um, <laughs> it's just getting, and then it just gets, you know, it just when it crashed into weird, it just went downhill from there because then it just gets weirder and weirder and I know I say that word so many times but it is getting no, weirder and weirder the word of the day for this book is definitely weird have and... either oh sorry no go ahead have either of you read uh Algernon Blackwood's The Willows no, no. okay you, you should it's really good and the the plot of it is the willows are spoopy uh, you know it's it's the same sort of <laughs> but the, he just hammers the atmosphere so hard that you come out of it going, man, those willows were fucking spoopy. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's 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 like okay, it's like drone metal, right? Like mm-hmm. there is there is there is value to just riding out something long and slow and just hammering it and over and over and until you really start getting your head nodding on it. Like I I, I, I I'm a sucker for that. Mm-hmm. And but anyway, I've I've read the damn book a couple times. So <laughs> um, what what about you, Megan? What what would well, you I, think this book was about? Well, what I thought about it before going into it. I think came from more from knowing you than really anything I could glean from the book was that it was probably going to be something weird yep. <laughs> that I, I wouldn't typically read and, and that it would be something dark Yep. Um, because I think that's the only kind of books you recommend to me and which I love. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, you should also, you should also read the decline and fall of the Roman empire there. there, there that's... <laughs> I will read that book. Oh, it's so good. Oh my God. Oh, 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 oh. That, that's what I should have recommended. I should have no, you recommended read you guys that read two weeks. Given. No, that is you not a two read week that read. In two weeks. I, I would have been generous to let you read a, a summarized version, a single volume. Uh huh. But yeah, you have the truth of it. Truth of it. It's a weird, dark book, and that's kind of it. Yeah, it, it is better. I, I will not lie. Okay, so I kind of thought of a few things while while reading this book. You know, the, my first impression was. Oh, thank God I'm reading this for a podcast because I probably would have put it down after the first 20 pages. <laughs> and then about halfway, well, that's, and that's nothing to do with, I, I, I majored in English. I've done my time reading yep. things that don't necessarily fit the bill of my normal stuff. Mm-hmm. And for those listening, James is flicking me off. That's why I, I suddenly defending myself. At no point did I ever, ever text either of you going, this is poorly written. Yeah, I, it, yeah, absolutely. And you, it is you... it is beautifully written, and it made me think actually of another book that I read earlier this year called Three Dark Crowns, um, where every review of this stupid book goes, "You just got to read it. You got to get through it. It's boring. It's slow, but I swear to God, the last like twenty five pages make the whole thing worth it." And you know what isn't worth it? The last twenty five pages. It's <laughs> terrible. It made me so mad. And this book had a similar vibe where. Mm-hmm. I know at one point I went, James, is there a plot in this? Please tell me there's a plot. And it's not because it's not beautifully written. I wasn't necessarily hating it. Mm-hmm. It just is a very slow buildup that I actually think actually is worth the last 20 to 50 pages of mm-hmm. quote unquote plot or action. Yep. It, it This book has the payoff that I think other books strive to get or try to get by building this atmospheric thing and to do it as her first book is incredibly impressive. I know this book took three years to, to write mm-hmm. uh, because I was reading uh, an interview for the sequel. You know, I, I can only imagine how, now that she's kind of, from what I understand, dropped the gothic kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, sorry, the goth vibe, not the gothic. The gothic vibe I will always take of any book. You can yep. give me any book and tell me it's southern gothic or just regular gothic, anything like that. I will probably read it. Uh, but the, the actual Gen X off mm-hmm. that kind of went away and then as i was reading it i kept thinking comparing to if i had read this 15 years ago as a high school student how i would have felt versus reading it as an almost 30 year old woman and and i think if you had given me this book in high school it would have been the book that shaped my life it would have shaped everything i've read going forward it it Reminded me of those books that have done that, that are not necessarily books that I have read more than once or have read in years. They're the books that I look at and go, that book made such an impact and I'm glad I read it, but I don't know if I could do that again kind of thing. I, it's that heavy. I think so. That it, it really speaks to the experience of being alone as a group together. Yes. Um, which is like such a total high school thing and you get that sort of with the 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 robin character um robin's the youngest of them all and she she still lives with her parents and she has money and it's the it's the pulp common people thing you know she could she could call her dad and he would stop at all but but she doesn't and she sort of chooses to be with this group as a as a rebellious act and not live the quiet suburban life uh, with her parents, she she chooses to be a, a drugged out wasteoid, which I mean, again, kind of a high schooler thing to do. Right. Uh, what were uh, my thoughts? I did not care for Robin. 
No, I, I think that she, she is... She is... She's a whiny, she, bratty Klingon, and, and it, you know, it, is it just to piss off daddy? I, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily got that vibe. But she, how she treats Walter especially... Right. Yeah. And she is the, the star scream to Spider's Megatron. Um, the, the Cobra commander to her, her Destro. Um, and yeah, like Walter gets the short end of it, which is why I, I'm kind of glad that he has the happiest ending of everybody. Right. Because I mean, yeah, he, he, he freaking apocalypse now is a mirror in a bus station restroom, but (laughs) he gets out and he gets out more or less. Okay. Yeah. I would have been the Walter in that group. Oh, I would have noped out of it so fast. Uh. <laughs> oh, I, I would have been the Walter in that group because everyone would bag on me while I was trying to be nice to them all. Um. <laughs> I don't know who I would have been. I'd like to think I'd be Daria. I think that was the one I related to the most. Daria, you know, Daria, I actually liked Yeah. as a character. I like she her, had a lot of issues, but, but also, then so did yeah, I loved everyone Mickey's. else thoughts of her like Mickey, mm, yes yeah great first impression of daria and then it's like what did i get into <laughs> who is this dramatic insane person and i was like yep, yep that's me that's me yep. that's my character in this book yeah so. <laughs> yeah the 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 novel benefits from spending the most time with the two most well, with the three most sympathetic characters because it spends the most time with daria and nikki and walter and they're the three that are actually kind of good people mm-hmm. um and it is interesting to to uh, it, it it benefits from spending the most time with daria and nikki because daria is kind of the only person that sees through spider's bullshit and gets pissed at her and calls her out um mm-hmm. which is something that no other none of the other characters are willing to do or or or, or even listen to because when Walter's trying to warn nikki away from spider nikki just doesn't want to hear it right, right. So Dari's really the only person that acts in opposition to Spider. Does that make her the hero? I don't... I don't know. I don't think it's that sort of novel. I I, I stand by my description of Spider as the antagonist. But I'm not sure that there's enough of a narrative arc to justify tagging someone as a protagonist. Because it's sort of like... I can see that. Yeah, it didn't seem like there would there was a clear person who could be called a protagonist. Antagonist is kind of easier to to tag it to Spider because of the manifestations she, you know, the her house, the spiders themselves, and like the whole supernatural aspect. But I don't think I saw anyone as a protagonist. It is not driven by push and pull. Yeah. It is it is uh, uh, it is a quicksand sensation. It is slowly mm-hmm. sucking the other characters in. Um, I'm really curious about the sequel. Um, I was actually going to ask, have you read the sequel? No, I haven't, and I I could not possibly be arsed to tell you how you would get a sequel out of this <laughs> novel. I mean, is it is it? I think it's one of those that is it like a ten years later sort of thing, like what the characters are. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't do enough research, I could not tell you if it's the same characters, all I did was read a quick interview, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't done with Silk, so I didn't want to spoil myself too much, but from what I understand, it's more, I think, of like a Cloverfield vibe, and I could be a thousand percent wrong about this, but where, it's the the same, real quick, I don't know, Uh, if you go on Goodreads, you'll see that it says Silk 1, so it'll line up under it, got it, Um, but it's more of, I think, something in the same wheelhouse uh there's a word for this that i can't come up with murder oh sorry murder it's the same world angels. um but i don't know if it's necessarily the same characters or if it's just a similar again like cloverfield you're all in the same kind of world but not necessarily a clear sequel or prequel mm. it is something that i i know i'm going to look at uh, into and and i definitely am going to look into more of her books i i I knew okay. I complained quite a bit about this because there was not a lot of plot. Okay, and I've got and it. Solely yeah. because I haven't read a lot of books without plot and since I graduated college. Okay, so. I, I've got the Amazon page up. It's Murder okay. of Angels. Right. Nick, Nikki Kai spends her days in a medicated haze, haunted by the ghosts of those she left behind ten years ago after a confrontation against an unspeakable evil that left her shattered. To find peace, Nikki must return to the house on the side of Red Mountain in Birmingham, Alabama, to face creatures no human should ever have to face. 
Okay, so I'm wrong. It is completely <laughs> not like Cloverfield. Nope. It is a 10 years later. It is a retelling or a sequel with the characters that got out. So I guess spoilers, Nikki lives. Yeah, I think the I think the 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 problem with this book is is that there is no way for a pull quote on the back to properly sell what you're into because everything that tries to sell this book vastly overstates the momentum of the book and mm-hmm. completely gets the 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 vibe wrong. I mean the 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 paperback copy I have makes it sound like this apocalyptic horror novel and it's, <laughs> and it's really not. not. And, and even the po- even the description of the sequel kind of overstates how much stuff happens in the first book. Yeah. Right, so there's a good chance that the sequel uh, does it say when the sequel was written? Uh d- nope, I've already closed the window. Oh, okay. Um, it was published. Was re- it was published in two thousand four. Looks like. Um, so the first one was written in ninety eight. So we're talking what a good six years. Yeah, yeah. six year gap. Yeah. So there's probably a good six years between when they were written. So we're probably talking a little bit of a different writing style. Yeah, probably. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it would be a good. I would be willing to read it if you guys want to read it again together. Maybe not necessarily for the podcast, or we can save it for another episode of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, this is definitely an author that I can add to my list of people that I would definitely read. So yes, fist pump away. Um, the one last thing that I wanted to touch on, because I had texted James this morning saying that this book made me sad. Uh, and it's not because of the, the overwhelming abuse and molestation, which by the way, could you not have warned us about that? <laughs> I, I wanted to go, I wanted you guys to go in blind. I mean, <laughs> well, clearly, because I went in blind, apparently so. and I read it, and I said all these triggers that could have happened. <laughs> yes. Okay. But, um, Starting I, with I, Nikki almost drowning, so, you know, God, you're a jerk for that. <laughs> and ending with the very clear scene of Spider's father molesting her, like, thanks. Thanks, James. <laughs> but none of this is what made me sad. What made me sad is that at one point, Stiff Kitten gets invited to play at a club called Dante's in yep. Atlanta. Yeah. Which made me laugh. I've been to a Dante's club like that. Inferno yep. uh, is, is a, one of my favorite books. But, and I could be completely mistaken by this, but Dante's is actually based on a real club called The Masquerade in Atlanta. It opened up in 1988. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been to a few times. And it actually does have the levels of heaven, hell, and purgatory. That's super uh, cool. I've never been to a show. I think I've only been to shows in hell. Uh, and I think, you know, the description of purgatory is that's where they do fetish things and things like that. And I, I think that's probably we're, true. We're going to have to go yeah. there when I'm in Atlanta. Well, so <laughs> th- this is where the sadness came in. I started looking it up because I was like, what is that called? Because I, I don't, I, it's been probably 10 years since I went to a show and I Oh God, still did they cannot... close? They didn't close, but they moved it due to gentrification. And oh, I'm so oh. upset. Like oh. it still exists. They took, aspects of the actual club and moved it mm-hmm. and, and i texted a friend of mine who's big in the music world or big in the music world he doesn't work in it he is kind of the person who shaped a lot of the music i listen to now but uh i, I texted him and was like i know it's 6 30 in the morning but are you awake and then led to ask and be like am i reading this correctly is the masquerade gone and it's apparently been turned into lofts. So thanks for that. <laughs> but it does still exist. And yeah, next time we, we go to Dragon Con, we should go check it out and see <laughs> yes. a show there. So yes, in case you're wondering or thought Dante sounded cool, it exists. It reminds me of the dearly departed Outland in Columbus, Ohio, which also closed. And I had been to a couple times, a few times. Similar vibe of... Uh, yeah. Levels. Well, no. I mean, it was it was a goth club that also did a bunch of fetish stuff. Um, gotcha. They they um it was a total fucking rat hole. And, and that is that okay. Let me let me do do this for a bit because I went to so many shows at so many shitty venues and saw so many shitty bands in high school and college that the whole stiff kitten stuff. I was like, man, I know exactly what that's like. And I could I could hear what Stiff Kitten sounded like in my head just because of like I have seen this band fifty times in my youth. I 
fucking lived with a band and like they get the that dynamic so right and it was so delightful and heartwarming to oh me. i think she was part of a band so i i think that was pulling yeah. from you know, yeah actual knowledge mm. cool. so I, I am curious how much of this is autobiographical i know she's got her actual quote-unquote auto, autobiographical book the drowning girl i think is what it's called uh which will not be something i read because i read the description and that was enough for me it sounds fascinating it is too trigger heavy for me so and i i i apologize for not warning you about the the content i will say that i have not read this book since the first time i read this book which was years and years ago so i kind of spaced and I, I i thought the whole stated purpose was going in blind so i wasn't going to warn you about what was going to happen so okay, i apologize well for that for future guests, if there are any drowning or water, please give me a heads up on the book so that I can be properly ready for that. Uh, the the molestation, I, I mean, I kind of expected it. I, I didn't expect it to be so explicit and, and a flashback, but it was, it was it was definitely hinted at when it happened. I think by that point, so much weirdness had happened that it was just like, oh, Jesus Christ, okay, we are going there. Yep. Yep, we're already there, and we're just going to power through this, and we are now out of the flashback. Okay, good. So, yeah, it, it, it's 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 a tragic book because for all I, I talk about, you know, Spider as the antagonist, that's not that is not me blaming her for what happens no, around she, her. Absolutely, no, she's not. not a bad person. No, no, no. She is she is she is a victim in this, and it's it's a colossally sad story because she never manages to escape it and right. the people around her can't escape that either and it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a bummer but i mean you know it ends it ends on as much of an up note as you can possibly have with with right. all the characters literally and metaphorically moving on from right birmingham so i did we did kind of allude to this earlier um mary is a writer and an actual published one <laughs> unlike me who just kind of hangs at a keys <laughs> And one of my favorite things is when you get reviews for your short stories that talk about the metaphors and things like that. So do you want yeah. to talk about that or well, <laughs> being an author and being so, told what your books signify? Well, I'm, 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 I'm always just amused about the fact that readers have this kind of notion that I overthink my books and it's usually not the case. I write first and <laughs> foremost for uh, what I like to write, which happens to be the same things I like to read, which is fantasy and science fiction. So I'm writing for myself first. Um, and when something like I had read a couple of reviews because, you know, I'm the type of person who will look at the reviews to see oh, what people are saying brave. about my stuff. Um, and one of them, uh, I like not one of them, but a few of them have, you know, pulled at one of my more known short stories on southern asian steampunk and some of them you know have overanalyzed it to the point where apparently i'm making commentary on the government <laughs> and political agendas so i just find it uh funny because i you know i write it for fun i've i've done i have done some research i have tried to create a world that was you know um rife with some conflict between governments and organizations but it wasn't it was never really to that point where i would sit down and think oh yeah that's exactly what i meant about you know unity and governments and alliances so it's just hilarious to see that some readers pick up different things from stories and take a spin on it and you know interpret it as they do so it's nothing bad on on them it's just i i just sit back at this point looking at my story and say yeah sure okay that's what i meant <laughs> if that's what you think <laughs> well so it, it's 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 always a debate that mm -hmm. b because you get stuff like ray bradbury talking about how oh no 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 fahrenheit 451 isn't about censorship it's about how tv sucks and will ruin books and it's like okay man i guess <laughs> and it, it it ties back into what i said at the top you know the, the author is dead oh, intent only matters to a certain point i think but i also think that a lot of times stories get analyzed 
past any sort of reasonable nature. So, I don't know. I have to right, read short stories. Uh, the first time that, that one of these comments came up and you told me about it, I, I felt justified in my degree <laughs> of every time I went, I don't know, what does the author mean here? I, I, are you sure you're not reading too much into this? And, and uh, so I appreciate that. If it's in an English class, it's probably because you're reading into this. But you know what? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> and I'll take it that. however you like. Right. <laughs> the stories I, are I, out there, so. Yeah, I know. I, I have author friends that, you know, explicitly write for reasons and, and to be interpreted, et cetera, et cetera. I just was nice to find the balance and be reminded that we can't overanalyze. And uh, that is probably the point of this podcast in some way. <laughs> I mean, when, when, you've, when you've got a, a, a main character named Spider with a web of influence, I mean, it's it's some freaking Stan Lee levels of obvious at times, but the, the, the writing quality, it, it meant that that, that absolute on-the-nose, like, blinking neon, this is what this is about right. thing never bothered me. You know, I when Nikki breaks down fairly early and ends up in Birmingham with the car, mm. I just found myself partly screaming, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. Because I mean, not knowing this was a horrible or anything like that. Just the, you know, I originally from a small town in Arkansas and then lived in the burbs of Atlanta, but I've traveled enough of Georgia to see these small towns and, and to look back and see, you know, think of these people that want to get out to these small towns and try to get out of these small towns and and don't even when given the opportunity to do so and so the 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 first time I kind of felt I don't know fear is maybe something of anxiety in this book was me going oh Nikki you're never getting out as soon as that car broke down you're stuck and that's kind of, I don't know, I, I love this atmospheric feel of a small southern town. And and she does explicitly say in the book beforehand that this is not Birmingham, this is not Athens, it's a weird combination of the two, and don't go looking for this town, it does not exist. Mm. So that was, I had to laugh because I've been both to Birmingham and to Athens, <laughs> not in the 80s and not in the 90s of when she was, uh, unfortunately. But I still had a laugh because I get the vibe. Yep. So. Yeah, I, I, I think as both of us as uh, red state refugees. Yes. Like, get what the author is throwing. Right. Uh, so any last thoughts or comments? Any? No. Nope. So before we wrap it up too much and start talking about what we're doing next... What are you guys planning on reading next that's not the book for the podcast? Or if what you're planning on reading is too long, what book recommendations do you have? Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm already back to reading volume three of Alan Moore's Jerusalem, which is absolutely gorgeous and really works Alan Moore's crankiness. Uh, to full advantage because it's all about how Northampton used to be cool and now it's kind of getting gentrified and that sucks but he's such an angry crank about it it's great and also <laughs> like it's 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 this whole thing it is a slog it is a bazillion pages long but it is totally totally worth it Finn recommended that a mutual friend of ours and but he recommended his audiobook and I cannot feel like me who reads it do you remember uh, Simon, I forget the author, but he's a good guy. Uh, so if you look at this description of this book and decide that it sounds interesting, uh, I haven't read it, but James has been reading it since February? Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, the, the audiobook is apparently just as amazing and read by a great author, too. What about you, Mary? Um, well, I'm in between books now since I just finished Silk, and since I came from a trip, I hadn't really read much uh, over there, so I am starting again the Daughter of Smoke and Bone trilogy, which is by Lainey Taylor. Oh, nice. Uh, and that's, I had read the first book, Daughter of Smoke and Bone, 
um, a while back and I absolutely loved it. It's t- it takes place in Prague. It's about angels. but it's a Romeo and Juliet kind of story however I hate Romeo and Juliet the 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 idea of star-crossed lovers is never was never a thing that I took to however I did love Daughter of Smoke and Bone but I'm also biased because I love the author's work um ever since I gotten uh her short story collection Lips Touch Three Times um yeah it's a very beautiful book so, she just put um, out a new book. Is that part of the series or? Uh, which one? Oh, yes. Uh, I believe she did just put out a new book. It was called Strange the Dreamer. Yeah. Is that um, part of this trilogy? No, or it's, it's not part oh, of the trilogy. It's, it's a new, I believe it is going to be a new trilogy uh, or okay. a series in, in any case. But um, yeah, she did just come out with a new book. I'm really excited to get it. Uh, but I still really need to finish Daughter of Smoke and Bone which I have all three books. Um, and the second book is Days of Blood and Starlight. Okay. So I do like um, how you read trilogies and series. Cause... I know. I, I, I just start <laughs> the first books of trilogies and series, and then I, it takes me years to get to the next. But <laughs> I'm getting there this year. I'm hoping to finish okay. at least some of the series I started. <laughs> I do have a recommendation for James. I actually have the book right next to me, which Ooh. is called Party at the World's End by James Curcio. And it's the thing is, it's, it was a Goodreads giveaway, and I had gotten the Goodreads oh, nice. giveaway. Uh, it's signed by the author, Ooh. which is extra cool, and it's book one of The Fallen Cycle. So it, I, from what I read in the back, it's about Lilith, who is um, in myths. She's kind of like the first woman yep. that came out um, prior to Eve and even Adam. So this is an interesting book. I started the first few pages just to see what the feel of it is. And it is something along the lines of what James might actually like to read. <laughs> so, you know, if yeah, I you think dropped the cover into the chat, right? Yes. Oh, I've it, got it, it up was, right in front of me. Yeah, it's it. The cover pretty much looks like a Pulp Fiction uh, apocalyptic <laughs> feel because it looks like, you know, it's it's um, Uma Thurman's character just sitting there with a crossbow is what I think it looks like. Yeah, with a crossbow, yep. smoking a cigar. So it's just, <laughs> I think James would like it. I started reading a few of the pages and I said, you know what? It's right along the alley of silk. So maybe. That, that yeah. is definitely up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so since you mentioned Lilith and I have a note here that at first I was like, why did I write this down? And I think it came from Nikki's road trip when she bailed on Danny and because I have this note and then it says road trips so I guess at one point I thought maybe this road trip would be more of a story and mm-hmm. uh, but she talks about the Croatoan yep uh, which is carved in a tree if I'm not mistaken in Virginia yep so I was kind of hoping that would end up wrapping back around and instead I think I probably put the note down just to make an excuse to talk about supernatural but the TV show, not the actual element of the book. Yep, yep. Uh, but I, I am a little bummed that that didn't tie around. Maybe it ties around in the second book. Maybe it's just a throwaway comment. I yeah. know. I remember you making a comment about that, and then I remember seeing it, but it, it never came back to yeah. do really do anything. It was just a site, I guess, she saw on her trip over. It's, it's one of those mysteries in the U.S. that I love and that we'll never yeah. know and that you could you know, guess a thousand things, and I, what am I reading right now? Uh, I do have Join, and I cannot remember who the author is, I want to look that up really quick. But mostly I'm kind of digging through my backlog of graphic novels. Which... I have to go back to graphic novels, actually. I have two of Willingham's from the library, um, Fables, because I need to finish that series as well. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I started Sex Criminals, which <laughs> was recommended to me by a couple people um, when I got into graphic novels and I wasn't sure what to think of it and I think it might be one of my favorite things I've ever read um, but I have joined by Steve I'm not even going to pronounce this last name it's T-O-U-T-O-N-G-H-I uh, and it's some kind of adult fantasy sci-fi uh, multiverse multiple lives at the same time I'm not entirely sure what it's about it popped up on a recommendation, and between the cover and the description, I added it, and the library had it. So 
I think that's what I'm going to read next. Cool. For the podcast, the next book we're going to read is Mary's Suggestion, which is Bone Shaker by Sherry Priest, which is our first young adult book, I believe. Is it technically young it's adult? It's not really it? young okay. adult. The character herself is a grown woman who has a kid, so she's, yeah. It's not really, yeah, it's it's one of those books that don't really have an age Is it new, group. A new adult? It's a, it's, <laughs> I can't even say it's a new adult because it doesn't have the new adult uh, the tropes new adult vibe. that you usually see. So I, We need to break those tropes. Um, yeah. What the fuck is new adult? Wait, what? New adult <laughs> is an age group of books between YA and adult that is similar to the tropes and stories of YA books with a little bit more adult themes. And the adult themes have been taken to, and they have sex. And sometimes a lot. So it's and YA books with screwing in it? Basically, yes. Yeah. But, but I think there are books that can be classified as this like a darker shade of magic by victoria schwab i think is a great example of a new adult book that meets the age range meets the combination between the two that is not a sex obsessed book it's not a coming of age it's not having your first wonderful sexual experience kind of book which seems to be what these books all are so if you're looking for a new adult book recommendation or basically, if you ever ask me for a book recommendation, I always recommend it's be a, dark, a shade darker magic. shade of ma- magic, which I think is a running joke on if you are friends with me on any social media platform and go, I don't know what to read. It tends to be the first book I recommend. And then the second one is Vicious by Her. So, uh, so yeah, that's what new adult is. So, okay, I'm wrong in assuming this is YA, which happens, but I think it's, it got clumped in. She went to Sirens a couple years ago, I think. And yeah. And in my mind, that's... They it, they typically try to put it in as YA because at least one of the main characters is YA. I believe the son is around the YA range. Right. It is a dual perspective, and the other perspective is his mom. And she's definitely not new adult or young adult. So <laughs> I well, would not... I wouldn't... Yeah, I, I wouldn't clump it in as YA, but I believe uh, people have put it in as a YA book, so... Well, come back in two weeks to listen to us uh, chat away and figure out if we can classify where this book lies. (laughs) Next episode will be up May 14th, where we discuss Bone Shakers. So where can people find you if they want to? um... I'm going to have a podcast soon. Aaron Ayers, my partner, and I will will play two-player board games and talk about them. And it's called Over the Tabletop. And we have two episodes down, and I want to get, like, three or four in the can before we start posting. So hopefully by May 14th, it'll be up, and I can say, find me at this website. Uh, What's it called again? Over the Tabletop. But that's where people will be able to find... There will be a place shortly where people can find me. Otherwise, I'm James DeBrooker on Facebook. Hi. And... Actually, I would say your Instagram's pretty cool. It's half pictures of cats, and then actually some really great... Uh, pictures of Boston. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. Uh, J- James DBR is my username on stuff that requires usernames. Mary, where, pe- where can people find you? I have a blog at uh, storyandsomnomancy.wordpress.com. That's usually where I po- post most of my book stuff, writing stuff, and occasionally um, food. <laughs> blogs and uh, I've been trying to figure out what my next food blog is going to be about like uh, a post anyway and it's probably going to be around the lines of Final Fantasy 15 but um, I won't get into that <laughs> I'm much. looking forward to it I love when um, you post food I, yeah I haven't it done it in a while I, get food. <laughs> I just haven't had too much time um, teaching has kind of sucked my soul dry <laughs> but um yeah, that's uh, you can usually find me there. I do have a public Instagram. I cannot remember for the life of me what my name is. Oh, S- Sakura May. Yes. Yeah, Sakura May, um, and that's connected to almost everything too. So, yeah. And you are on Twitter, but do you ever tweets? I do occasionally, but they are mostly of my blog. And okay. you know, uh, sometimes I would try to tweet to authors and rant to them about how they're making some of my favorite characters go through so much hurdle, but um, 
I don't normally tweet as much as um, a person with a Twitter should, but yeah, I normally I just use Facebook and um, my my blog as well as Instagram to gotcha. do most of my social media stuff. Yeah, I think most of my Twitter is me complaining about it was Buffy for a while because I did do a bend of that, and I'm watching Parks and Rec, which is such a happy upbeat palate cleanser that I think it's you can't complain about that on any social media and if you do I, I just don't want you to be my friend uh, so I think my last tweet was something about how I wanted my own Ben Wyatt and the I could not tell you which episode it was about because he and Leslie are adorable so if you want to follow me on my own personal one which is typically complaining about whatever I'm watching or reading and occasionally what I'm writing uh, I do have my own blog that I kind of sporadically update and I do write, but that's not for public consumption yet. Um, but my own personal one is Meg Griffin with three G's in the middle. And as for this podcast, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you go and look at either of those and could give us a rate and a review, that'd be great. Uh, if not, don't do it. I'm not your mother. Um, we're also on SoundCloud. You can find us on Google Music. It's anywhere it can be posted, it's been posted. Uh, you can also find us at the website judgingbookcovers.com, which will have the episode as well as a list of whatever books or uh, pop culture we talked about uh, uh -oh. if you want further information. Um, we're on Twitter and Facebook as JBC Podcast. And Instagram as Judging Book Covers Podcast. And then there's also a Goodreads group, but I've been doing a little bit more research into that, and I don't think those ever really pan out. But if you want to come and talk about the books as we're reading them, that's uh, on there as Judging Book Covers Podcast. And if you are completely adverse to any type of social media, we do have an email, which is judgingcoverspodcast at gmail.com. If you're reading along with us and want to ask questions or point out talking points uh, that you'd like to hear, uh, please send any comments or questions to any of those and we'll be sure to add them. There will probably be a mini episode out next week. I've been debating doing this, uh, um, but if you don't hear from me sooner than that, then we'll be back on May 14th to talk about Bone Shaker. Thank you both. Thank you. And, uh,